0: Hey, Tim. How's it going? How's it going? How's it going, David? Uh, it's colder here than it is in the Antarctic. It's colder here than it is at the North Pole. It's colder here even than it is on Mars right now, David. That's how it is. But not Pluto. But not Pluto. Pluto's colder, I guess. So I, I guess I could be grateful for that attitude, yeah. of gratitude. Yeah. yeah. But uh, you're down in Panama still, I'm right? I'm down in Panama. Last well, week in Panama. Must be nice to be a swinging single with no obligations, just living your best life.
1: No, see, I want to be less of a swinging single. So everyone has their own issues, right? I guess. (laughs) Grass Um, is always greener. Grass is always greener. Snow is always whiter in my case. I'm wondering if I'll ever miss snow or when I'll come back and want the snow again so it'll be interesting maybe next winter i'll do it as like a novelty
0: once a week one one week per year i'll visit well i would i would imagine it gets kind of monotonous having the same season all year round i i will say that you know at least canada we have like four distinct seasons
1: yeah i would have thought that too but i think that's just an excuse people make for shitty weather because I thought I you know I was someone who actually quite enjoyed the winter, the cold, the crisp air, and then I've, I've had nice weather for four and a half, five months coming out of the summer. So really, basically, since May or June, and I have to
0: say, I don't miss <laughs> David. Let me have my comforting delusions here, please. <laughs> yeah, sorry. let me tell myself things that sound truish that make me feel better.
1: Yeah. Although there is something to be said about that crisp winter air. I think that's the thing I, I miss the the not the negative forty, but like negative ten maybe. Yeah. All right, well, so let's jump into it's a more serious topic, I guess. well, depending on how we handle it, you can never really know. But I wanted to talk about suicide because we've talked about it before, kind of um, you know, the male suicide rates and more theoretically, Each of us have mentioned that we've dealt with thoughts of suicide, but recently uh, an acquaintance, I I don't know if I'd consider them a friend. We were friendly when we interacted, but someone I knew in university recently committed suicide. And it's got me thinking, I mean, I think the entire conversation around suicide is really harmful, but I also, this is the first time I've seen it so explicitly and directly linked to this idea of altruism and really sacrificing yourself because um, this is a person, well, first of all, just to give some background, they posted their suicide note on Facebook. Um, and so like, I, um, it must've been at two or three in the morning. I woke up at like 8am and I saw this suicide note. Um, and then like people commenting, like trying to figure out what's going on, how to help this person. But uh, unfortunately it was too late. Um. But it's interesting because this was kind of the typical person who helped everyone, right? And so people are like, you know, this person helped everyone. They're such a kind person. Um, You know, how did they end up doing this? Or, you know, how, like, it's such a loss. But even in the messaging around, you know, this person's loss, there's these discussion points of how they gave so much of themselves. They gave, they put others first even to their own detriment like they literally say things in this tone not understanding that that's the fundamental problem that this person like that is basically the evils of altruism right is that they ex- they're expected to sacrifice for themselves no matter if they no matter how miserable they are if there's someone else miserable oh they have to be happy and help that person or put that person first and mm-hmm. i mean and the other thing that's really upsetting that's actually quite meta-interesting to me is that so many people are still saying, you know, um, this person, like, may they rest in peace. Like, they're at peace now. And actually, like, I think that's wrong, and that's a horrible message to send people that, no, this person's dead. They they were clearly in misery, and they died in misery. They're not at peace now. They're just gone in nothingness. And actually, a couple years ago, I recorded a video with this person about mental health, and talked about that very point about wow. how when like someone kills themselves we should not send messages they're in, at peace now because that perpetuates to other people struggling this is a good escape i can reach peace through suicide right, right. and it's like no this so that's where my initial thoughts are but i I'd, I'd be interested in yeah talking through this a bit because the newest aspect is yeah it's so clear to me that this person sacrificed his well-being for others and then couldn't handle himself and kill themselves. And, you know, people don't see it as a problem. And people are still like, yeah, rightfully so. They 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 need to do their own processing. They need to, you know, get over it or, or work through it. But they're, I don't know. They, uh, my opinion is, no, this person gave up. Like, I'm kind of mad, right? Like, I've struggled. I right. fought through. Um, I'm just kind of mad. This person gave up and let's move forward. Obviously, I wasn't as close as some people with them. But so I'm also wondering, like, I'm not heartless, but it comes across as heartless. Right. But this person quit. like They gave up. And especially as someone who tried to advocate for um, mental health things. Right. This is a terrible example. If like it's it's and then it self defeats the purpose they spent their whole life dedicated to others, mental health. And then they're the worst example possible. Right.
0: So yeah, I don't know. that's well uh... I mean that that that's quite often the case. I've noticed that people um, who have struggled with mental health are the ones that are that are doing their best to help other people. Um, yeah, I mean, man, first of all, sorry for uh, for the loss of your friend. Uh, you know, I know you're angry and all that I think that's normal to mm-hmm. be that way. Um, you know i I've had people pass from suicide, and I certainly had a lot of anger towards them um altruism you know i i have a difficult time understanding what's altruistic and what's not from a randian Mm -hmm. perspective um because you know like people give for charity but rand might say well that's not altruistic that's your you know what i mean yeah and objectivism
1: altruism is sacrificing a higher value for a lower value that is someone else's so it's only like if you put someone else literally before yourself. Yeah. Um so I not don't, if I don't, you value I, I, that. But here's but here's
0: here's the my, the difficult part I have with understanding that. I, I just assume that everything a person does is selfish. Like they're, they're there's some they're expecting to get something out of that. Uh, you know, like Mother Teresa, you could say she was completely altruistic, but another part of me just thinks no, she was just getting off on being a sadist, right? Keeping people poor and, like, he, uh, he, you right, know, and doing... A, and, you and, have
1: to get into people's internal motivations, right? It's really they like, have to know what the reason, what they think is good.
0: And but, I mean, M- M- Mises, you know, I kind of like human action as a better frame of reference. It's like people act because yeah. they they move from... From a state of their current state to what they see as a more desirable state, you know. So, like humans act—that's an axiom, um, right? And they and they act for whatever reasons they act for. Now, I, you know, Rand would try to, you know, plug that into a formula and say, "Well, this action is irrational. This action is rational," and blah blah blah.
1: No, it's really—it's really about the motivation.
0: Right. And uh, like, I think it's hard to use that. Like, for example, you know, I once heard an analogy for, uh,
1: well, so, you the, know,
0: l- let's talk about other mental health for a second, just so I, I can make my point here. Wait, um, wait, let me so, give, okay, go ahead. The, the extreme example of altruism
1: in the Randian sense is what I understand as Kant's morality and his was like Emmanuel Kant. And yep. his was literally, if you derive any value at all from an action, it's immoral. So it's literally like, even if you get an inkling of happiness that you did something for someone else, it's not moral. So that's the extreme is like, you literally have to do things that you derive no value at all from. That's the the extreme version of it.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, I've. I don't know why. I, I just don't think anyone does that. Like, right. And
1: so the, the premise like if, is that if, if
0: you're doing that, if if you're trying to appease others, you know what I mean? Like if you are.
1: Right. Wait. So the, okay. the whole premise is that no one can really do that, but they adopt this as they think it's the right moral code. They can't live it. So they're just perpetually guilty because they think, oh, I think this is how I should be. I should put others first, but I'm not. I'm a selfish little piece of crap. I should feel guilty. So, right. it's more and, like And you
0: a, think that was this person's self-talk? Was that he felt like he was a selfish piece of shit?
1: Yeah, well, that's in the suicide note. It's like he yeah. thinks he was the worst human on earth. Right. Right? Because and like, you know, even though they gave so much of themselves.
0: Well, see, I wonder if it's the, if it's the, the reverse though, right? Like how how would we, what would the null hypothesis here be? Like, what if it, it's, it's that you have a a low opinion of yourself. And so you try to overcome that by, uh, by pleasing others. right? Right. I mean, I, I, I see this quite often in, uh, in women, right. Who like have a difficult time setting up bound personal boundaries and they're like, they want to, constantly give and give and give. They're just kind of wired that way, I guess. And at a certain point they're like, Oh, you guys don't appreciate me. Like e- even though right. no one asked them to do that thing, they- they're just like, they're trying to get some, some consideration right They're And they're yeah. getting, and they're doing a, it in a tragic way. Instead of saying, Hey, listen, I could really use some consideration and some appreciation here. I have a human need uh, yeah. to have some connection. They will go out of their way to do all these things for others that they're expecting something in return for, right? Like it's almost like a transaction. And I wonder if, if, if this person was like, I had such a longing for human connection and had that need that they, they were just, you know, they were, they were bending over backwards for others, hoping for some reciprocation or something in return and never getting it. And, you know, rather than doing some internal work and, you know, because I, I I think that, um,
1: Yeah, then it comes down to where why did they think one is the answer versus the other and I think that's fair Right, and I think I mean we're taught right like, you know, give someone else happiness and you get yours right and it's like But like making someone else happy makes you happy and like these sorts of things So I do think that's part of it. it. It must be right. Like if they're actually this miserable and they're acting this way, but
0: Yeah, and I think quite often it comes from um they that that might be a role they had to play in early childhood like I think a lot of this stuff uh stems from childhood right like they were probably used to constantly appeasing being the peacemaker uh like just it's a survival mechanism when you're a child and it's the same with you know schizophrenics or split personality people quite often or almost all the times they were they they had some sort of horrific child abuse in Mm their and, and these like horrific sexual abuse, right? And they, that, they able to they, compart, compartmentalized personalities yeah. as a survival mechanism. Cause if they didn't do that, they might not survive. They might, mm. you know, and, and they still need to have a connection because that person, like, let's say it's, it's dad that is sexually abusing them. I mean, they still need to have a connection with dad or they will die. Right. Yeah. And yet here's this person hurting them. So they have to find a way to resolve that and survive. And so what we consider mental illness, it, you know, it, when it becomes, when that person becomes an addict is actually a survival okay. mechanism, mm-hmm. right? Um, and and you could, you could apply the same principle to, you know, opiate addiction or something like that, where, you know, like Gabor Mate says, it's he's never met a severe heroin addict that hasn't had uh, severe maternal attachment or abuse issues. Right. So, uh, mom hasn't been attached to that person. And so the same parts of the brain in an opiate addict light up as in a healthy baby's brain when it locks eyes in a maternal gaze with its mom. So that opiate is essentially uh, the mother's love that they're experiencing for the first time. Right now Mm. you, 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 as a baby, you need to chase that dragon, right? You need to chase that mother's love. Uh, because your survival depends on it but yeah. when you become an adult and you're seeking that and you're chasing that dragon now it becomes a death warrant almost and so you know I, I try to you know kind of look at things through that lens rather than you know and, but but there there may be some kind of unconscious epistemology going on there but I think it's more a survival mechanism that's left over that just hasn't been closely examined from the right I
1: I think it would have to be both right because it's about there's this issue and then how do I think about it and how do I deal with it
0: well and if you're the abuser in that situation like let's say this person was an appeaser who constantly had to give himself to survive or whatever in childhood he was probably told a story or developed a story in his mind because we often put our parents on a pedestal. We have to, when we're children, if we don't, we mm-hmm. die. And, yeah. and so that story, whatever justified what that parent was doing can take carries on through the rest of our life. And if it, if it's uh, an irrational story, <laughs> you know, while that right. it, it's something we have to examine and, and disabuse ourselves of, um, you know and and that requires therapy and all sorts of things and you know probably getting mad at your parents and and you know confronting them and um yeah. all that kind of thing or at least abstractly confronting them uh in a therapist yeah. office and and understanding that what they did was wrong um you know and it sounds like maybe your friends never got to that but but you're right you know i i think philosophy coupled with psychology here is is the most helpful way of dealing with these things you know like i go back to my struggles with mental health and my suicidal thoughts it was really a philosophical question in a therapist office that that cured me right it was uh me too just getting just like engage just observe yourself from the third person right now tim tim like be, be an objective observer is what you just said correct or not and when i pulled out and looked at myself. was like, Oh shit, I'm talking a bunch of, I'm just making up a story here. Yeah. Uh, and that story is what's causing all this suffering and their true story set me free. Right? Yeah. Mine
1: was similar. Like it was really the concept of compassion that after about a year of therapy, I understood because I had such, and I still have very high expectations, but I didn't meet them yet. And I thought I was a failure, so I was consistently a failure for not meeting my expectations, not realizing that it's like a growth trend. Um, And I think that comes across a lot that people have expectations for themselves, which is good. It's better than giving up. But then they they get mad that they've not met them yet. And for me, that like literally that clicked in, and I had to reintegrate like my entire life through that lens of no, like I have messed up, but that's okay, and I'm not where I want to be, but that's okay. And 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 so it is really just about how you look at things. But I do think then that starts the process of, okay, where did these misconceptions come from? And they came from, yeah, before I was five, right? Fundamentally, some of these issues. Um, but so I do think, yeah, there are things to be said about the, you know, early childhood trauma and, and things like that, which also then does lead to well, the parents behave a certain way because of the things they consciously think as well, but it's about how you deal with it as an adult does come from the philosophy and, and what people teach you or what you believe right. you should think. Um,
0: but- yeah, no, that's a good point. People uh, operate on, on assumptions, right? Like the, there's an underlying philosophy. Even someone who says, someone who says I'm not an ideologue or I have, you know, To me, no, there's you that you are operating on some ideology, like your ideology is essentially your operating system. And so, what you're basically telling me is you don't know what your operating system is, right? Yeah, but you have some unconscious assumptions or principles that you are supporting this versus opposing that on. Um, and just you know, you're Uh, agnosticism here does not impress me at all. It, right. It's just telling me that you have no self-knowledge, essentially.
1: Yeah, and I think a lot of people are proud to have no self-knowledge, it seems. Right, right. Um Yeah, and it's
0: they they so, make it sound like they're ra- they're rational right it's like a centrist i'm i'm a centrist i see the the pros and cons on both sides i accept some things i base my views on rationality okay but what standard of rationality like what's your core principle because um y- you know like I get this all the time when I am when I'm debating someone about uh, climate action, for example, uh, you know. Well, science says the Earth is warming. I'm like, okay, that's and or science says uh, there's a catastrophe. But what I'm trying to understand is why you support this policy or not. Like, what's your highest value? Is it human yeah. flourishing? Is it um, is it Minimizing environmental impact because based on everything you're arguing, it sounds like you're trying to minimize environmental impact, but you don't and right. you don't care as much about human flourishing. But right. and, people that that suddenly they get throw up a bunch of fog and cognitive dissonance because now we're getting closer to the root of the the conversation and they don't and they want to avoid.
1: So I would then cl- claim that that's fundamentally people either put themselves first or fundamentally put other people first. And when you fundamentally put other people first, and I think a lot of people are taught that, that it's wrong to be selfish, right. it's wrong to do what you want and say, no, I can't deal with you right now. Um, but I mean, and and so if you fundamentally put other people first, you don't have time for yourselves. And I do think it's much more common with my female friends than with my male friends, generally speaking. Um, right that they give so much of themselves and then they're exhausted and miserable and don't understand why no one gives for them, but they also never ask. Right. Um, right. And it's interesting because some, so I did a three week mental health program at Northrop general hospital and it, multiple times in the group therapy, what came up was that people, cause you know, the, the people who were really struggling needed to tell people sometimes I know you're struggling, but I can't be there for you right now. I'm not, I don't have the capacity for it right now. And and right. that is the toughest thing. And especially when you're down, you're taking on the weight of everyone else's problems too. You're trying to be this helper. And it's really quite miserable. Um, do, you,
0: do you think Ayn Rand would have made a good mom?
1: Probably not.
0: <laughs> no, I but don't I, think so either.
1: <laughs> um, but I think she also chose to not be a mom, right? I don't think she had any, she had no, no interest well, in it, right?
0: Like, yeah, probably. For the best, you know, and the the reason I, in my mind, she wouldn't make a good mom is because she doesn't have that gear because that, that, that is what essentially makes a good mom is a person who like has no boundaries, like just continually sacrifices themselves for that little bundle of joy. You know what I mean? Like you cannot sit there and think from an epistemological or philosophical, like that would potentially threaten human survival, I think.
1: I think that that's, you're half right, because we won't go into it now, but my experience with my mother is that she thought she was doing that, she tried to do that, but because of her philosophy and the way she thought of the world, it was actually hugely detrimental to me, because she she kept claiming she was doing that, she wanted to be doing that, but the way she viewed the world, that's not actually what was going on. Okay, so it was Fair like, enough,
0: let's move on. I, I'm, I'm curious well, about, uh, sorry, go ahead. Well, well, so I
1: want to just bring it back to the, the then they're at peace, right? Like this person killed themselves and they're at peace because I want to like that to me is really horrendous and really kind of evil to tell people that this person killed themselves and they're at peace. And I think it has religion. I mean, it shouldn't even have religious overtones because suicide is a mortal sin in every religion I know of. But... Yeah. So there's this idea among secular people that when someone kills themselves, they're at peace, and that really, really grinds my gears. But when I wrote an art, when Anthony Bourdain killed himself, I wrote an article about it, and I and people got really mad at me and said, I'm going to trigger all of these people who have friends who've committed suicide um, because I'm telling them that no, something maybe could have been done, and this person's not at peace. This person died in misery, and. I'm interested in your – because I've not talked to anyone else who's actually had suicidal thoughts because I have and, you know, this is my perspective on it. And I'm being told by a bunch of other people that haven't had that experience that I'm wrong.
0: Yeah, I well, I think that, um you know, uh, in my case, I just wanted the suffering to end. I didn't want to, you know, felt like a burden, felt like I wasn't useful, mm. felt like there was no hope and, you know, this was – you know, just a way to stop, stop the suffering in a sense. And I mean, you know, in one sense, you can't blame people who, who are suffering and see no hope of that suffering ending, right? I mean, you can take the the obvious example of a terminally ill patient who has a week or two to live and they're in excruciating pain. You know, can we really do we really think that it's terrible if they want to go out on their own terms or, you know, in a painless way or something like that? Um, you know, in some ways I think people struggling with mental health issues, but, but again, it's irrational to think that the suffering is going to be endless. Right. Um, so, so yeah, these people died, they, they were in suffering they're not at peace anymore because they're not at anything anymore right uh they're they're just completely non-existent right it's not like they're you know flu- you know if you're religious they're burning in hell so they're suffering right. inter- eternal torment probably uh they're not floating around in heaven um but the reality is they're probably just nothing you know right they're whatever they were before they were born uh like just uh, dust nothing uh, yeah Yeah, no, absolutely no hope, nothing and a shitty legacy that they've left behind uh, to other people. And in in my view, like,
1: I think that's important for people to understand because it perpetuates itself. Then if you're telling people, uh, you know, this puts you at peace in some way. But also, I think like someone who advocates all these mental health things and then commits suicide, they, in my opinion, eradicate all of the work they've done. Like, I, this person is right. a null, this person is a negative on the earth, right? Um, but it's right. hard for. It's hard for people to accept that. What something that there's a song by um, twenty one pilots um, where he talks about suicide and he, it, it talks about um, how now if like he killed himself, there'd be all of this, like, you know, a big thing on Facebook supporting him and oh what a mm-hmm. what a sad loss. And he basically says, "If I lose my battle, move on. Don't do this right. for me. If I lose my—I mean, he's Christian, so he like probably right. thinks he would be burning in hell. But it's still the premise. Like, no, if I lose my battle, then I lost, and I'm not anywhere like mo- or I'm not anywhere worthwhile. Move on. And like that is, I think, a really important message. But you don't hear it right. anywhere.
0: Well, you know, but, uh, to play the the other side of the coin here um you know and it's difficult when you're grieving especially like when you've lost someone who you know and it kind of catches you by surprise and uh you're angry at them and all those kinds of things um you know like what's what's a more rational approach to grieving is it to uh write that person off and put up a wall and say like you're nothing to me anymore you've fucking idiot kind of thing or yeah. is it is it rational to get through that grieving process to say you know what here are some good moments of the life here's a lesson I can learn from this here's something good I can take out of this and use it going forward um and you know and, and try to avoid that tragedy in my own life or help other people avoid that tragedy by you know like what was there something was there some point of Intervention that I could have noticed, or was there, you know, for for future reference to stop someone I care about from doing this? What are the lessons we can take from this, right? And and to me, that's maybe, you know, both of them are legitimate ways of looking at a situation. It's like you know what I learned grad school was in in terms of organizational consulting, but you can apply this to examining yourself or examining the way you move in the world. You can look at all the things that are wrong and try to fix the negative aspects or you can look at all the things that are right that are going right and you can leverage those and uh, expand those right Mm. Uh, and and research seems to show that focusing on the things that are going right in an organization for example with organizational consulting um, that that Focusing on those things and nurturing those things and putting energy into those things is better than playing whack-a-mole of trying to knock down all the negative all the negative things, right? And so I try to apply yeah. that to a lot of things. I think it can be helpful here. and I think you know if we want to be charitable to your friends and to people who are saying they're in a better or they're in a better place or they' they're at peace now, you know you can interpret that in in say the, the suffering's over. That's something that's good like if, if this person was in extreme suffering, that's over now, I guess I can cling on to that. Um, you know, what else can I cling on to about this person's life and what it meant? What lessons can I leave so that this person's life here won't have been completely null and void. And like, he was never here. Um, I
1: think they null their own life, right? Like that's their life is of no value to them. So I would like the best way I can honor their last decision is to make their life null
0: right right like, but here we are doing what... an episode <laughs> on suicide and mental health so thank you person who died right oh, that's <laughs> terrible
1: <laughs> that's terrible
0: Well, it is terrible but no i am there's a serious point here in that it, this person is still take occupying mental space right because there's a grieving process they're still in the, in your brain somewhere and and as an individual like put aside that person. Let's just talk about what's going on in our own minds right now. Um, we're trying to resolve this and figure this out. And you know, the, the, you know, the, the kind of folk wisdom that people have of saying that this person's at peace now, you have better language and clear thought of, of caps. Okay. They're no longer suffering. Um, there's a number of reasons that led to this suicide that might have to do with altruism and constantly sacrificing oneself. Let's talk about this openly in public and try to avoid that. I mean, these are all good things that are coming out of that. Right. And, and focusing on those as opposed to focusing on uh, this person was null and void and this and that. Well, um, yeah, let's not make our lives like that. That's how we can derive something positive out of this. Um, but I, you know, I don't know.
1: Yeah. It's difficult to navigate regardless. Right. Um, I just, yeah, I suppose my, my fundamental thought is that almost everyone is talking about it the wrong way. And so it's about how do we at least start talking about it openly? Because yeah, like people would not be pleased if I was talking to them. Most people would not be pleased when I talk about it this way, but it's also, one way or the other, this is my grieving process, right? As yeah, well, but it's yeah. somehow wrong because um, it's not the the. Oh, well,
0: this and, was. and I I agree with you. Like whenever there there's a tragedy like this, I mean, it drives me nuts hearing people talk about how well we need more mental health resources, and you know, people aren't giving enough and not doing enough to stop this. And in the in the meantime, if you bring up the fact that it's this culture of victim, (laughs) victimhood and oppression and constantly needing resources from the outside that is actually contributing to mental health problems. It's, it's because we're afraid to confront facts about mental health. Hashtag bell. Let's talk by the way, it's that time of of year. Um, Mm -hmm. It's our failure to confront the, the hard things like, that the story in our head might be the thing that's causing our mental health like that. uh, I might be caught the, the author of my own mental health problems rather than the outside world. And actually, you know what you're the culture around me might be helping to contribute to that as well by reinforcing that narrative in my head that I'm being oppressed by the, by the reality, by my job, by, you know, the the call I was just on, yeah. um, no, that, that could just as easily be an opportunity for improving my mental health, making me more resilient, more anti-fragile, more able to handle all of life's difficulties. But if yeah. you bring that up, uh, you're a, you're a pariah, you are, right. you know, and, and that is because a real problem.
1: You're supposed to be a victim. Yeah. All right. Well, I appreciate you, uh, helping me talk through this and understand it from a couple of different perspectives.
0: Yeah, man, it's, it's tough, uh, losing someone and, um, you know, it, it's normal to, to be angry. It's normal to be sad. It's normal to, uh, you know, for, I, I think it's normal to make up stories as well, like other people are doing. And so don't judge other people too harshly. Um, you know, I, it's funny, yeah. it reminds me of a story. My, my daughter was going to, uh, she was going to a Catholic school because the education was better than the normal public school, but there was mm-hmm. a religion class and they had to do an assignment that said, God is, and then right on this poster board, what they thought God is. Right. And we got called into the teacher's mm-hmm. office because summer did a bad thing. And uh, I was like, Oh my God, what is this bad thing she did? Right. And, um, the teacher, you ever watch Saturday Night Live with Dana Carvey back in the old days? There was a church lady. Oh, you got to Google the church lady, people out there in viewer land, so you understand what I'm talking about. But this, this teacher reminded me of church lady, just a prim and proper, super conservative, and you're going to hell. And uh, she's like, some people wrote, God is a woman. And that's fine. They all we all come from different religious backgrounds. Some people wrote God is multiple people. Some wrote God is this or that. But here's what Summer wrote, and some Summer wrote, God is a story we tell ourselves to make us feel better about dying, uh, or something like that. And I'm like, oh God, ah, yeah. Man. And I I couldn't and have been more proud, but I also was like, oh, I'm not looking forward to this chat with the teacher.
1: Yeah, and I think that's like the way I view this narrative about suicide it's very similar it's just like a secularized version but yeah yeah exactly and if anyone is listening and struggling we'll put some links up to mental health resources obviously suicide is not the answer it never is the answer Um, and it doesn't help with anything
0: absolutely and you know as much as I say like what we don't need is all this talk about more mental health resources and all that kind of stuff it was ultimately a therapist that got me through uh, my mental health crisis it was the right kind of therapist uh, you know that was basically holding up a mirror to me that's all they essentially did they weren't giving me advice they weren't so it was ultimately myself that did it but I needed help getting to that place and a therapist can help and and so don't be ashamed to uh, to ask for help so yeah you're absolutely right thanks Tim Thank you, David.